In our most uh, you know, recent you know, series of demo talks, um, the topics uh, have been mindfulness, have uh, now also been what? Uh, concentration, uh, most recently, and certain prior to this. Energy, that's it. Ardent certain effort or ardent certain energy you might remember. And certain so with this, we have covered certain three vital factors. And in order to complete five, what remains? Yes, and faith and, and wisdom. So what, sh- what we shall do today is um, first uh, take a look at, uh, briefly, take a look at you know, factors that contribute to you know, the arising of wisdom and certainly then and then we'll make the connection to uh, faith and in particular determined uh, uh, faith. Now, to begin with, there is uh, the so-called Alawaka Sutta of uh, the Samyutta Nikaya. It's part of the Yakratna Samyutta. And um, at one point, the Buddha was residing in Alawi, the so-called haunt of the Yaka Alawaka. Now, a Yaka, to, uh, for those who don't know, um, it is uh, a spirit and usually a malevolent uh, spirit. And uh, in the case of Alawaka, that very much uh, uh, was so. Now, Alawaka approached Satna and the Buddha, and Satna said, Get out of here! And the Buddha went outside. And then Alawaka said, Now come back in! And the Buddha came back in. And a second time, Get out of here! The Buddha follows Satna the orders, and Satna. Uh, Alawaka then orders him to come back in, and the Buddha does as he was told. So, altogether, three times. And when Alawaka then proceeded to order the Buddha to leave a fourth time, the Buddha said, I'm not going. I'm staying. (laughs) And uh, uh, adding, do whatever you like. Uh, I would still not go. And with this then, Alawaka uh, told the Buddha, I will ask you uh, a number of questions. If you don't answer me, I will cause you to become insane. I will split your heart and I will grab you by your feet and uh, throw you across the river Ganges. So the Buddha, to this the Buddha replied, I do not see anyone in this world, whether among the devas or human beings and yakas, who could do this. But please go ahead and ask your questions. 
And so, so then Alawaka um, asked, you know, there were a number of questions, all in Gata form. And so, then out of those, we have one Gata that is relevant to our topic, namely, Alawaka states, how does one gain wisdom? And in Pali Kattam Sulabhati Banyan, then the remaining questions are not necessarily relevant to our topic, but I'll still give them to you. How does one find wealth? How does one achieve a claim? How bind friends to oneself when passing from this world to the next? How does one not sorrow? Now, with regards to the first question, namely, how does one gain wisdom? The Buddha gave Fatna uh, some very succinct Fatna answer. And he stated, placing faith in the Dhamma of the Arahants for the attainment of Nibbana, from desire to learn one gains wisdom if one is diligent and astute. Sadahano arahatam dhammam nibbana patiya sususam lavate panyam apamato vichakano. Now, the commentary to you know, the Samyutta Nikaya explains you know, this as follows. It says, at first, one places faith in the Dhamma by which Shatna the Arahants, the Buddha, the Buddhas, the Pachika Buddhas, and disciples attained Nibbana. And by so doing, one then eventually gains mundane and supramundane wisdom for the attainment of Nibbana. However, this is not achieved by simply having faith in the uh, Dhamma of the Arahans. There's, there are other factors involved, namely, when faith has arisen out of that faith, then sooner or later one will do what? Follow the path. Uh, follow the path. Uh, but how do you know about the path? Ah, hearing the Dhamma. In order to hear the Dhamma, you need to? Uh, there you go. In order to hear the Dhamma, you need to approach a teacher and, uh, equally important, lend an ear or two. And that, then, 
will allow to uh, actually hear the Dhamma. And when, or with that, one then gains a desire to learn the Dhamma, Sususam in Pali. And when one lends an ear and listens from a desire to learn, one gains wisdom. But for this, one must be diligent in the sense of being constantly mindful and astute, namely able to distinguish what is well-spoken and what is not well-spoken. So what we, what we have here are several factors that satna are required for wisdom to arise and for liberating wisdom to arise. And so it all starts with placing faith in the, well, placing faith or having some initial faith and suddenly then approaching a teacher, hearing, lending an, an ear, hearing the Dhamma, coming to appreciate it. Out of this appreciation, one then wants to learn more and more about Satna, the Dhamma, and Satna then, furthermore, one needs to be diligent and astute. So this is one sequence of fatna factors that have been pointed out as being relevant for the acquisition of wisdom. More, a more explicit or even more detailed sequence of fatna relevant factors for the acquisition of fatna wisdom can be found in the Chanki Sutta of Fatna Majjhima Nikaya, the second volume, section 173. Now, the context to this passage of first and give you that is that at one time, the Buddha with a large community of monastics was traveling and was traveling across the land of Kosala and Satna ended up um, staying overnight in a, in a village of Satna Brahmins called Opasada. And the, it was a Brahmin village and Satna, the head um, Brahmin in the village in charge of Satna, the, the village and the surrounding uh, area uh, was called Junki. Therefore, the name of the sutta being the Chanki Sutta. Now, the, 
the village and the headman, uh, uh, Chunky, as well as a big number of uh, Brahmins, when the news spread that the Buddha and uh, his uh, following of uh, um, monastics had come and was sadness um, in a nearby uh, grove, they, you know, the Brahmins all went to the grove uh, where the Buddha was sadness staying. And among those was um, uh, was a young Brahmin uh, who uh, was very well versed in uh, the uh, Vedas and all sorts of other uh, texts. And that certain young Brahmin, he was just 16 years old at the at the time, then engaged in a conversation with the Buddha, and as part of that conversation, he asked the Buddha about the discovery of truth. How does this happen? And the Buddha then replies, the first thing is that a person who is not knowledgeable about the Dhamma will, well, sooner or later, come to know a teacher like the Buddha himself. And then the first step, or next step would be to investigate that teacher. Whether the teacher is seen to be purified physically, verbally, and mentally from states of greed, from states of hatred, and from states of delusion. So that's your investigation part, investigating um, a teacher, whoever that might be. When one finds that a teacher is indeed purified from states of great hatred and certain delusion, one places faith in the person. Filled with faith, one visits the teacher and pays respects to him or her. Having paid respect, one gives ear. When one gives ear, one hears the Dhamma. Having heard the Dhamma, one memorizes it and examines the meaning of the teaching one has just memorized. When one examines their meaning, one gains a reflective acceptance of those teachings. When one has gained a reflective acceptance of those teachings, 
zeal, or to put it differently, ch- uh, desire in Pali, chanda, you know, springs up. When zeal or desire, but this is not necessarily in, uh, in a reprehensible sense, has sprung up, one applies one's will, having applied one's will, one scrutinizes, having scrutinized, one strives, resolutely striving, one realizes with the body the supreme truth and sees it by penetrating it with wisdom. Now, a few clarification. The Pali term, Nyachanda, means the desire to act, katu kamata in the Pali scriptural language. So in other words, to perform an action, the desire to perform an action or achieve some result. And this kind of a desire must be distinguished from desire in the reprehensible sense, namely from greed or from lust. So this chanda desire to act can be associated with wholesome uh, mental states and certainly then um, it certainly may uh, be experienced as a desire you know, to practice the Dhamma and to realize the Dhamma. Now, When zeal has sprung up, partner one applies one's will. This, in Pali, applying one's will, in Pali is given as usahati, and this refers to exertion undertaken prior to insight contemplation. So it's an initial form of effort. Whereas, the striving part, padahati in the Pani scriptural language, this certain um, is exertion that brings insight up to the level of the supramundane path. So it needs a, um, uh, covers further um, levels of effort. Now, when you look at yourselves and certain factors that have motivated you to come to IMS, then it's quite possible that you've heard of IMS certainly being a place where the Dhamma is being taught, where the Dhamma is being explained, where the Dhamma is certainly being practiced. And this might certainly then lead you to eventually decide certainly to come and certainly then to do a retreat. Being part of a retreat 
necessarily there will a Dhamma talks will be a teacher will be there Dhamma talks will be given and certainly thus a coming into contact with the Dhamma takes place now Upon hearing the Dhamma originally taught by the Buddha, one might come to the conclusion that Satna the Buddha, Satna Dhamma, is profound, hard to see, hard, hard to see and hard to understand. It is peaceful, it is sublime, unattainable by mere reasoning, subtle to be experienced by the wise. And this Dhamma cannot easily be taught by one affected by greed, hatred and delusion. So with this Satna then, some or, or with this the f- having heard the Dhamma to some extent the faith in um, the teachings will most likely increase and certainly will then um, uh, encourage a person you know, to you know, even memorize the Dhamma to examine its meaning and uh, uh, and then one might gain an initial reflective acceptance of those certain teachings. Now, the first few days on a retreat are difficult, especially for those who never meditated before who are entirely new to this. But with some patience and some determination, one one can very well go beyond or gain some initial faith and then take it from there. Now, in the course of the meditation practice, there will be surely agreeable, rewarding experiences, but there will also be experiences that are a bit more uh, difficult. Now, among those rewarding experiences are such experiences that involve the arising of faith. When a retreatant keeps observing 
predominant physical and mental formations, he or she sooner or later will come to the intuitive understanding that suddenly there are just two categories of objects, namely f material phenomena and mental phenomena. So, uh, Nama and Rupa. And suddenly, at least temporarily, the mind will be purified of Fatna, the wrong view of a permanent Satna self. Now, apart Satna from uh, this uh, intuitive insight, other aspects um, will be understood. For instance, discerning wholesomeness from unwholesomeness, so kusala from akusala, and um, on occasion or are discovering intentions and certain with this you know, then uh, seeing the opportunity you know, that certain you know, comes with this, namely you know, to act or not to act on uh, intentions. Now, when a retreatant has overcome the five hindrances and has further overcome major pains and aches in the body and discomfort, then a number of wholesome mental states will arise in the stream of consciousness. And so among those states, what do we have? Well, tranquility. Oh, equanimity? Tranquility. Oh, tranquility, yes, that's correct. Tranquility or calmness of the mind, peacefulness, serenity. And uh, now that calmness might certainly go along you know, or might certainly be associated with some you know, degree of uh, contentment or ease or you know, well-being. And a retreatant might further notice clarity of mind and suddenly that typically goes together with what? With what? What about faith? So, uh, clarity of uh, the mind is the manifestation of the mental factor of faith. So having overcome the initial difficulties in the form of the five hindrances and certain pains and aches, obviously a retreatant will be glad and the gladness leads to joy, the joint net leads to uh, tranquility of the body, of uh, the mind, and certainly uh, then uh, that leads to happiness, and certainly uh, then as part of this process, uh, some uh, faith uh, will be there. And that certain faith will um, then encourage a retreatant um, to keep going. 
So with this retreat, it is motivated to continue mindfully observing predominant physical and mental formations. Gradually, one learns to discern the um, cause and effect links between objects. One sees how physical and mental formations are uh, linked by cause and effect. One goes on to intuitively understand the three universal characteristics and including the characteristic of anatta, so the non-self or that certain um, that there's nothing to uh, nothing to identify with. And that development you know, then um, gets you know, followed by the arising of what is referred to as Satna, the Ten Imperfections of Insight. And the first Satna one being illumination, Obasa, part of Satna which are, it is seeing various light Satna phenomena, seeing bright lights within one's own mind or uh, it appears as if you know, from the outside some bright light shines onto you know, the you know, face and you know, things like this. Retreatants are likely to also experience a keen and unerring knowledge, sharp, um, incisive you know, knowledge, jnana in the Pali scriptural language. This Satna will be followed by the arising of Satna joy, piti. The joy can come in different forms. The texts Satna speak of five forms, beginning with minor joy and Satna, then momentary joy and uh, then showering joy, uplifting joy, and pervading joy. What follows the joy is the arising of yet another occasion of Fatna tranquility, this time around it is more profound, stronger than at the outset of Fatna's meditation practice. And that tranquility typically will be accompanied by a number of other wholesome mental states, such as the lightness of the mental body and consciousness, and then malleability of, again, uh, the consciousness and the mental body, mudutta in the Pali scriptural language. Furthermore, we have the wieldiness of the mind, again, of consciousness and the mental body, and satna then, um, the mind satna will be quite sharp, Pagunyata in Nepali, and Satna there will be rectitude of mind, uh, Ujjukata. 
Now, those sadness after mm, tranquility and associated states have uh, mm, somewhat moved into the background, yeah, then happiness, yeah, sukha, is likely yeah, to uh, arise and uh, retreatants will experience a profound sadness, sense of uh, bliss. The entire body might be flooded by this. And based on these experiences, so based on the illumination phenomena, sharp, keen, incisive, unerring knowledge, joy, tranquility, and happiness, based on these, what arises? Concentration. Uh, concentration at this point is, uh, you've got a good certain point, even though it's not mentioned among the ten imperfections of certain insight, but one could, uh, one can assume that certain probably a good de degree of concentration will be there. Okay, now apart from the concentration, You're having all these wonderful experiences. And what's that? Attachment. Attachment, yes. Uh, with that, <laughs> all these wonderful experiences might um, <laughs> drop away. Now, what about your faith in the practice? Uh, so, based on the earlier uh, the mental states just uh, just mentioned. Mm, quite naturally, what arises is the so-called determined faith in the Pani scripture language given as Adimoka. And that determined faith, and it's a strong faith, arises in association with insight in the form of extreme confidence. Confidence of certain consciousness and its certain concomitants. So this is then yet another point in the meditation practice where if Faith and now an even stronger you know, faith arises, and certainly again it certainly will motivate us you know, to continue uh, practicing. Actually, and this experience and certain related experiences uh, will um, cause a retreatant to be deeply appreciative of the Dhamma and uh, even planning out you know, one's uh, uh, future, mm, planning the next uh, no, retreats, you know, deciding that one will keep up the mindfulness practice uh, for many years uh, no, to come. So that certain determined faith then uh, will be you know, followed 
by a strong effort in the Pali scriptural language, next by um, equally strong mindfulness in Pali given in this context as upatana, literally this means establishment, and then as the ninth factor, we have equanimity. When the tenth factor is attachment, nikanti, but that is an unwholesome mental state. Now, when a retreat and for the first time ever experiences these imperfections of insight, then the experience can be quite profound and can cause the retreat to greatly rejoice in the practice. Now, in a general way, one can state that there is a strong link between faith and certain wisdom. And the link is as certain follows, namely, every time that certain some in new intuitive wisdom has arisen, our faith will it will increase. There you go. And so with every insight knowledge, even doesn't even have to be a full insight knowledge, the degree of our faith will increase yet a bit more, a bit more, and certainly so on. Now during the early stages of practice, even during the middle stages of practice, the faith, however, is what? Unshakable already? Would you say that? Nope, it's not. It is still pretty volatile. And um, your practice changes, and certain, um, let's say, you get attached to this or that of the imperfections, and or craving arises. Let's say you've had an experience of great certain peace in one sitting session, and then in the next sitting session the mind goes, oh, it would be so nice if I could get that uh, tranquility back. That's craving. Or, based on all these wonderful experiences, you get totally conceited and you start comparing yourself to your fellow retreatants here during this retreat and you conclude that you must be by far the topmost retreatant. Even though, even though you have no way to actually compare with others. Now, another potential 
danger is such that of holding a wrong view, namely taking all these experiences to be an experience of our realization of the Dhamma, which, of course, it is not yet the case. Now, based on these factors, namely craving and certain pride and conceit and certain holding a wrongful view and the underlying attachment based on these, one's practice can um, uh, crumble. And it, certain, it might lead to a nose knife in your practice. So one does have to be really careful. So when such a drop in practice occurs, with that, what happens to your faith? It drops. And certain, actually, yeah, the faith might even turn into into doubt, that's it. So temporarily, the doubts are back, and suddenly you might even feel like giving up the practice. One simply needs to understand that faith at that point is still relatively weak, and there is a need to further strengthen it. Now, as a retreatant will go through the remaining insight knowledges, stages of intuitive wisdom, every time this happens, a retreatant's faith will increase a bit more and more. And eventually, when the mind is relatively purified of mental defilements, the mind is quite balanced, the enlightenment factors are present, also balanced, and other prerequisites are fulfilled. Sooner or later, that crossing over from mundane consciousness to supermundane consciousness will take place. And when that happens, then technically this is certain called attaining a noble noble path knowledge, namely the path of stream entry, Ariya Sotta Sotta and with that experience, certain fetters will be removed from the stream of consciousness once and forever. And one of those fetters is doubt. There you go. Wichikicha in the Pali scripture language. So when doubt and faith are opposites, and so when doubt goes, what remains is faith. And the faith becomes unshakable. That's it. So it becomes unshakable no matter what the conditions certain it might be, external or internal. One's faith in the Dhamma then cannot be challenged any more. The Venerable Sadhu Pandita, Bhivams, at this point, 
uh, at times would say, even if a highly skilled orator would come along and certainly then you know, talk to such a retreat and, and certainly explain about this or that philosophy or you know, teachings, not even you know, such a skilled orator would be in a position to um, unsettle a person's certain faith. Now, when you look at certain of the development of certain faith in the course of certain your meditation practice, and especially when it becomes unshakable faith, does this have anything to do with blindly believing in some supreme entity? Yes, Gordon? <laughs> Not at all. But rather, this is a verified certain faith. It's a faith that is based on practice, based on very personal, direct certain experiences. The Buddha very much encouraged people you know, to carefully investigate and certainly test an object of certain faith and not certainly simply just blindly believe whatever uh, is certainly being uh, said uh, by or stated in uh, scripture or uh, by uh, some uh, teacher. The Buddha also encouraged to or encouraged a spirit of inquiry in the sense of having doubt about dubitable you know, things. Now, Another connection between faith and wisdom is that depending on our level of Fatna wisdom will be our degree of Fatna faith. So if our wisdom is still relatively weak, the faith will be equally weak. But if the wisdom consists of supermundane or has become a supermundane form of wisdom. Well, that certainly means for faith that one's faith becomes an often or there's an inner certainty to it.
Now, the text certainly give, just for the sake of completion, the following definition for determined faith that certainly was mentioned earlier on. Venerabhasi Sayadur of Fatna Burma in his Vipassana Shunijan Manual of Fatna Insight states or writes about Adimokas, a determined faith, saying it is a very clear faith and confidence that arises together with the noting and observing mind. And the reason why this certain faith is certain so clear is you know, that certain the mind is certain freed from impurities at every moment of uh, uh, noting and mindfulness. Now, in terms of uh, manifestations of that determined certain faith, there will be much faith in the Buddha, in the Dhamma, and certain in the Sangha. Furthermore, uh, faith in the law of action and result, Kamma, and certain Vipaka. On top of Fatna, this retreat might come to resolution. Yes, Satna, this is the correct path. And Satna one then wants to continue with one's Satna practice. It may lead a retreat even to neglect one's mindfulness practice and starts uh, and then talking you know, to fellow retreatants encouraging them to practice a bit harder so as to uh, have experiences similar uh, to one's own Now, to say just a few words about wisdom, what we're looking at is not wisdom that is based on, on thinking, nor 
based on hearing or learning or reading, but rather a type of wisdom that arises out of mental development. So a training of the mind. This form of intuitive wisdom is in a position to know things that certain you know, things that are not necessarily under or accessible through just thinking through the intellect or through general knowledge. Now, the wisdom that we're looking at is not knowledge that arises by the grace of some supreme being, nor is it a type of knowledge that arises by forcing. It is further not a knowledge that um, is that just arises without certain any conditions, but to the contrary, it's knowledge that arises based on uh, a number of different conditions. When it comes to this certain intuitive knowledge, there it comes in degrees, starting with this very simple discernment between physical and certain mental formations, and then it goes on with the discernment of cause and effect and certainness, so on. Now, this intuitive knowledge does not arise in a haphazard manner, but in a very systematic manner, step by step. So basically, we're looking at certain building blocks, one building block after another. The preceding insight knowledge will be the building block, will be the foundation for the next insight knowledge to arise. And now, this intuitive knowledge, would you say it arises just by sitting there and uh, by not practicing? Just sit outside in the here in the woods, spend the day there, looking around. So it does not arise that way at all, but it's an intuitive knowledge that certainly requires 
a lot of input certainly from our side Would you say it, that it's possible you know, to skip this or that insight knowledge? Let's say uh, the, all the dukkha, um, all the you know, insight stages that uh, are full of dukkha. Can we simply say, no, this is not for me today, uh, that we'll keep that for the next region? <laughs> yes, Lynn? <laughs> nope. So that's another no there. The Vasa practice is such that it happens according to its own laws. There are certain conditions that are there, are certain causal connections or conditions, and certainly we'll just have to take it in a well, we'll just have to follow the natural unfolding of this practice and be patient with occasional difficulties. Would you say that certainly it is possible to realize certain noble path and fruition knowledge connected with the first certain path by participating in an online BA course on Buddhism, or maybe even a, a master's course, or maybe even a PhD course? What would you say? Possible? Nope. So. The Dhamma cannot be studied. You have to actually mm, engage in it. You have to do it. It's a hands-on uh, activity. For those who are new, what do you think of uh, entirely practicing without a teacher? The motto would be, um, I'm, I'm quite outstanding, so I can do this myself. Yes, easy or not? <laughs> not easy. There are so many traps along the way that sooner or later one will fall into one of those sudden traps. Now, as Sutton was suddenly mentioned already, uh, during uh, one of the um, uh, earlier uh, demo talks at the outset of uh, the retreat, this uh, mental development through insight uh, meditation is uh, based on what? Effort, uh, effort yes. Uh, yes, and? even on a more fundamental level than this? Faith, mindfulness, still some more? Simple. So simple. Well, every night, when there's a Dhamma talk, we take the eight precepts. And so you now the eight precepts, nonetheless, mm, or until now, still represent Satna, the very foundation of this form of mental development. And 
to to think that um, realization of the Dhamma without being well established in uh, virtue, that this is possible, this is not certainly possible. If one were to practice with total disregard certainly for ethical conduct and certain there will actually be some transgressions, ethical transgressions in one way or another, it will upset the mind, it will create certain difficulties and sooner or later such a retreat will notice that the practice is not advancing anymore. Now, maybe to briefly give you the definition of the Visuddhimagga definition of wisdom and Satna, then that will be it for tonight. Now, a short definition is simply that (coughs) wisdom is knowing things as they really are. Its certain characteristic is certain that of penetrating things according to their intrinsic nature. But the Veda Yatasabhava Lakana in the Pali scriptural language. And certainly then the function is to illuminate the objective field just like a lamp illuminates a dark room and suddenly it is manifested as non-bewilderment as non-delusion or absence of confusion and the the two proximate causes for you know, the arising of intuitive wisdom are for one thing, wise attention directed towards the development of Satna wisdom, and Satna secondly, a unification of the mind, in other words, a concentrated Satna state of mind. Maybe this much allow me to conclude our discourse on uh, det- on faith, determined certain faith and certain wisdom, wishing that uh, through committed certain practice with certain goods and ardent certain energy, sustained certain mindfulness and certain then ever uh, strengthening and concentration may this lead you know, to the arising of more and more into or more, more and more profound intuitive wisdom and every time you know, this happens may uh, your faith get certain stronger and stronger and ultimately may turn into unshakable faith uh, hopefully within this very retreat here at the Forest Refuge. You still have two weeks to go.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.